Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Reno's in, Vegas is here, it's Cofield and Company, John Von Tobel is here. You know, it's funny, in radio, because things have changed with uh, remotes, we always did remotes, but we don't do a lot of shows in the building, and because of COVID, a lot of people weren't doing shows in the building, so those of us on different stations, we never see each other. Like, if people ask me about the morning shows on The Point and Comp in our group, I'm like, I don't really know them. Wait, you've been there 17 years. Yep, no idea. Except for, like, a holiday party. I never see them. I don't really see Millard ever. And yeah. Darren Millard was just on with us, one of the uh, guys who, you know, does pre and post and intermissions and is on uh, Fox. And that's for Vegas Golden Knights. And he's on uh, our local Fox station doing the night stuff and doing the uh, VGK Insider show. And he just said he doesn't like people and he was calling himself a turd. I had no idea. Now, that might be just self-deprecating. I thought he was, like, a upbeat friendly, really chatty guy. I had no idea. Can't trust those guys, though. The ones who say they are? No, the ones that are too upbeat and jovial. There's a dark side there. Okay. And I feel like Millard maybe finally just opened the door a little bit. It was like, all right, cool. Now I know that you're a normal human. So you have more respect for him. You're not afraid. Oh, yeah. You're not afraid to approach him? Of course. It it is the – I work with somebody at VEASAN that's way too nice. Yeah. Way too nice. And I don't trust her at all. You know what I like about Darren with me when I text him about the show appearance? He answers within five minutes every freaking time. I don't know why that is. Every freaking time. I answer. Yeah, we that's a whole conversation. We would probably we need to have that next week about it's it's getting it's getting a little crazy with some of the lack of text responses Although, from people on this show. Can I say this might be ageist, but I'm mildly ageist. I told Isabel, I was like, I think Steve's getting old. Because the other day, I texted you about something. You responded with a completely different topic. And I totally missed and your And then question. I responded with, did you see my other text? No idea. I totally missed it. Because I, I think I just opened up to uh, ask right. you a question, and I never saw the question. And you're like, you're going to answer my question instead of giving me a question? I'm like, I had no idea. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. If you listen to Cofield and Company over the years, I'm on every day. We have a rotating cast, but you know that I am Mr. Christmas. I sound like a grump, but I love freaking Christmas. I love this time of year. And I almost think there, it's going to be a challenge to the staff to come up with things to see if I don't like them. Because I love everything about Christmas. And you rolled out eggnog. Yeah. That was a question. I, I stole your question. With Darren Millard, you asked if people on the show are eggnog people we know we know ari's not he's it's no way yeah there's no shot it's not, we're not doing we're not doing what does he like and what doesn't he like he doesn't like anything um what about you love it love eggnog is it a recent addition no to the no. love list or you've always loved it always loved eggnog now what's going to become a recent addition i've actually never tried which i'm going to try this year for the first time especially since i'm off on christmas this year finally uh eggnog with brandy i've actually never had it before why don't you just buy it that way like already mixed? Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't take. I feel like it would be better oh, if you delicious. do it yourself. It's delicious. I, I've, I've purchased spiked eggnog the last couple of years, and my most recent one was they mixed one of these peanut butter whiskeys with really? the eggnog. Oh, my God. Because I think there's what there's. Oh, my God. There's like Soco and eggnog, right? Yeah. Which is, is, yeah that's, that's probably one of the original ones that where they, they mix it, okay. pre-mix it. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Is Dude, it's dynamite. One. So, yeah, I love eggnog. I'm going to try that for the first time. Spiked eggnog this year. 
I also found out that so my kid is obviously starting to develop his own like likes and whatnot. Isabel hates eggnog. My wife hates eggnog. Does not like it uh, because growing up when they called it rompompe, I think is the way you say it. Um, so she dislikes it. So I gave it to Diego for the first time to get him to try it. He's in. Do, do you uh, have you given him horchata? No, not yet. Actually. Really? No. Wow, you got to do that. Yeah, I feel like he would like. I mean, he's a kid. He likes sweet stuff. Oh, so he I'm likes eggnog. because eggnog's kind of goopy. Super thick. Yes. I love it. Yes. This, buy- this peanut butter whiskey eggnog, when I first opened the bottle, it was like, blup, 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 blup. I'm like, okay, let's go. When I, my, and that's what people hate about it is it's, oh, it's yeah. a little bit too thick. The consistency. When I, so when I got my, my first eggnog of the season, I went to go take a sip out of it, and I'm like, like I had to do it a couple of times. Like, what's happening? Where is this thing? And I kind of had to like, like, <laughs> like suck out the foam and the thickness of it, and then it finally came out. But, oh, love eggnog. Oh, so great to have people on the show who like stuff. Number three. Number three. And I was kidding. Our producer, Ari, like, he does like some stuff. Well, you love following the Warriors. We know Adam Hill on the show is a longtime Warriors fan back to about a year and a half ago. Uh-oh. We knew the season was going to be a challenge. I thought challenge accepted. You know, they'd blend the old guys with the young guys who would emerge. It hasn't happened consistently. And now what with Steph Curry? Out for a couple of weeks. Now, Sham Shranya reported today that they're going to reevaluate him in two weeks. The initial thought was a few. A few, obviously, meaning maybe three. So we'll see if that's going to be on the short end of the absence. Um, that's huge. For those who don't know, the Warriors have been terrible without Steph Curry this year. So to give you some, some numbers behind this, uh, first off, the road record for the Golden State Warriors, 2-13 and 13 on the road this season, 3-12 and 12 against the spread, not even covering numbers. Um, Without Steph Curry on the floor, Steve, they have a net rating the equivalent of the San Antonio Spurs, negative 9.8, and their offensive rating, 103, without Curry on the floor this year. Wow. So he misses extended time. Like, okay. this is the season. Now you're, for- now you're forced to play some young guys, and they got to step up. Could this be a blessing in disguise? I mean, but they've been playing young guys. The guy who's the young guy who could get some more time is James Wiseman, who has been down with their is it the Santa Cruz Warriors, I think, or something like that, whatever their G League team is. Um, he's been down with them for a while, so you would think that he gets called up, and you're going to start to see some more stretched out minutes for some of the younger guys who have getting, been getting some time. Um, but like this is kind of the crossroads for their season right now because the, the thing that changes everything, and yes, you have some guys who are longer in the tooth, so a, a lost year is a lost year. But that out there on the horizon, if everything goes south, is Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson and one of these twins that they have out there. If it goes bad, I'm just saying if it goes like terribly, you're not you're not in the worst position to maybe try to go get one of those young guys. Number two. It's funny, the last couple of days I've been doing some spots on UNLV picking up Bobby Petrino, and with that you get some Raiders questions. I am so ready with the Raiders to start looking to what's gonna happen in the offseason. And I brought up the story the other day, Albert Breer saying, hey, Brady is going to come back. Tom Brady's going to come back, but it's probably not going to be with the Buccaneers. And he said some landing spots with connections could be the Niners or the Raiders. And you sent me over a report that's not really a report. And I got to just, can we just speak to what's going on in media? And this is now with traditional media and online media. This kind of wishy-washy i'm gonna throw something out but it's not guaranteed it happens two weeks later and they're like scoop wait you didn't really say it was gonna happen 
you know, to throw out there, hey, keep an eye on this. Not saying it's going to happen. And then go, yep, I got it. So what's – was someone trying to throw some cold water on uh, on Brady coming back for an extra year? Uh, yeah, so there was a report – Mike Jones wrote this up in The Athletic um, – that there are many league officials who believe Tom Brady is going to be retiring at the end of the year. But anything is possible. Yeah, but in, in the headline it says, will likely – so that's the that's the escape hatch. Right. Will likely retire. Yes. Come on. It's, it's either a report or it's – or say, you know, I'm hearing it's it's 60-40, that's likely. And then people will look at that and go, okay, that's not a report. That doesn't say anything. Right. It doesn't say anything. He's leaning toward it, and then, you know, and then you come back three months later. I told you. You said he was leaning. It's it's like, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, Bill Simmons had a report that the Lakers might be shopping Anthony Davis. Right. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What does that even mean? That means that if it turns out that they're not shopping him at all, you were right. And if they are shopping him, you were right. It's not a report in any way. I could go out there and be like, sources, Warriors are considering tanking the season. Yeah, I'm sure maybe they brought it up, but who knows? Like, it's just it's ridiculous, man, some of these reports. And this was another one. So it's the same thing. It's just for clicks. It's just to get people engaged. And like you said, this is the new deal now. It's I, just I, uh, I have no sources. I'm just going to take a guess. I feel 95% sure that he's coming back to play. Curry? No. Or sorry, Tom Brady. I was looking at a picture. I was looking at a picture of Steph Curry. <laughs> Tom Brady, ninety-five percent coming back. Listen, the decks oh, are cleared. He's still got to. He's still got to see his kids and manage that situation. But the wife is gone, so there, you know, there's no one tugging at him. You know that that struggle every year of retiring, and he's not going to. I don't think he'll go out. You know, with the team playing like this, and he's certainly capable of winning another Super Bowl. He's going to need a good team around him, like he had when the Bucks won. But he's not. He's not retiring. Like, if he sucked right now, that would be one thing. He doesn't suck. I'll say 99% that he's going to come back. Wow, even yeah. stronger. Yeah. Yep. All right. Still leaving the door open, though. Anything can happen. Well, you know what? You take credit for it. And I'll, I'll try to take credit for it, and you'll be like, I said 99, you said 95. I'll have to give you credit. And I'll say 60-40. It's with the San Francisco 49ers. Number one. Sunday, Raiders, Patriots. It's kind of been a boring week because neither side will say anything. Mentor versus mentee. <laughs> it's a Patriot off. Nobody's saying anything. Are the Raiders going to bring it here? You would think so. I mean, an embarrassment on national television. Essentially, your season ended, although you're still technically alive. The old, you know, the old ball coach, your guy, coming to town. Like, there's so many things that are, in the very least, putting forth, like, you got to show up for this. All the players have to be motivated, even ones who played for Belichick to try to smash Belichick. Yeah, absolutely. The Patriots are an easy team to get up for. And I, I would assume, I mean, I'm just thinking from my perspective, if I was in their position, there has to be some motivation, might not be the right term, but there has to be some motivation to play spoiler to a certain extent for a team that is trying to get within the top seven, right? To go out there and ruin a season. Like, ours has been ruined. I'm going to take you down with me type of mentality. But I would have, given the dynamic and going back to the offseason, right, where they practiced with one another and whatnot. Like, there's got to be a dynamic there where you're pretty motivated to go out and play them. I'll tell you what, if I'm Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, I want a good read around the room, around practice, to see if everyone is fired up to try to win out, to try to take out the Patriots, the mission in front of them. Because I'm not going to work my ass off to come back if you guys don't care. Well, especially after what happened with the Colts game, right? With the vague calling out of certain players that may or may not have been Darren Waller. You better make sure that if I'm coming back here, as you guys kind of screw the season away here, 
if I'm coming back, this better be 100% in on trying to get into this postseason because if not, why am I risking myself right now? Yeah, it's funny. I just did a year in review show the other day. We did some sports topics. And if I were to look forward to big stories in 2023, I'm fascinated with what the Raiders are going to do. What are they going to do? What do do McDaniels and Ziegler want to do? First of all, is it in their best interest to win out, you know, go whatever, or go 8-9, and drop down another seven spots in the draft when right now they're sitting at the 10 spot and there's four quarterbacks we think who could go in the top 20? I would say absolutely not, of course, but I've always been of that mentality. A lot of other people would say, you got to win every single game possible. You know, pride and whatever else is at stake, I guess. Um, I think for a team in the way that this thing is currently constructed, I mean, I think you're trying to get the guy, the guy for the future. Even if you decide to keep Derek Carr and for whatever and you do the whole bridge thing and have the dude learn, if it's like a Will Levis type or whatever it is, like that's got to be the goal. I mean, I'm a Colts fan. I, I have been wishing that was the goal for this team for a really long time. And you see what kind of purgatory you get stuck in if you don't go that way. And yet, from a motivation standpoint, you probably have a good portion of the roster that's playing for their next job. Yeah. And this tape matters. These next four games matter. If you look like you don't care, that could hurt your future. Well, and also, it, it, it has a lot of ripple effects, too, because guys like a Max Crosby, for example, who's kind of at the front of his timeline, but still, once you commit to going younger and rebuilding, guys like him and others, like now all of a sudden they become somewhat expendable maybe down the road because the timeline doesn't jive with where you're at. We're hanging out, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Parking is free. they got happy hour specials going on right now. 55 TVs to watch the sports on. The Sportsbook is open. They've also got kiosk to bet at as well. It's the Battleborn Sports Hour. Big Ford 4 is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer 766-1400. You know, yesterday was their first time in pads. Being able to come back off of that, uh, obviously both of them had an injury, so today will be an important day for us just to see, you know, how their body responds to it and if they're able to continue to make progress here as we head towards game day. So uh, today will be a big day, and then we'll have, have an opportunity to make a good decision. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Yep, we get Belichick. Josh, it's your father. Uh, we get Belichick in town going into the Death Star. I don't know, I tried something. Uh, the music, <laughs> that was good. Uh, Evil Empire's here. Belichick is here. Before we get to the matchup, Patriots and Raiders, uh, John and I are both a bit tubby. Um, and we were looking at social media, and we saw some uh, former football players have gotten fat. Stanford Route has not gotten fat, and it's probably because he doesn't drink eggnog. Stanford, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Fellas, happy Friday to you. There was a lot there. We were just talking about former football players in the NFL who've put on weight after their careers. You have not. We were also talking about eggnog a couple of minutes ago. So um, do, you, how, do you make an intense effort, or are you naturally just – jacked or have you had to like change up your diet as you get older to not turn into a lard ass oh wow it's a little bit of both to be honest with you like uh you look at my father (laughs) or my grandfather um how uh basically you know they're pretty much slender so i kind of took after them oh you're lucky i can tell you this i can tell you this so once i hit probably about 30 years old that's when my metabolism started slowing down so i could not eat the fatty foods as much as i used to and just expect the way to just not appear anywhere on my body so that is something i definitely have uh, taken um, initiative with as far as my health my nutrition things like that so uh i'm naturally slender but yes if i go and i start 
you know, I start eating bad, I stop eating healthy. Yes, I will start to get a little soft around the edges. To hey, did we? Stanford, sorry to cut you off. Did we talk to you about Jacoby Ford and the uh, the tribute and the ceremony they did with um, Cliff Branch a couple of weeks ago? I don't know if we mentioned that to you. Did we? No, no, you did not. So they did this whole dramatization on the field, and Jacoby Ford, former Raiders receiver, came back yep. and played Cliff in uniform, and they made him run like 95 yards downfield, and he had no problem doing it. But we kind of joked with him about, you know, still being in shape, and he's not that old. I think he's like 35 years old. Yeah. Like you would have no problem now if they if they asked you like, hey, you gotta you gotta do, uh, you know, old man Willie running running a, an interception back. Like you would have no problem jetting down the field and not hurting yourself running 85 yards. Oh no, I definitely wouldn't have any problem running Unreal. 85 yards. Now Unreal. I wouldn't be able to go. Out, I wouldn't be able to go out there and run a 427. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But uh, <laughs> but as far as being able to just get up and down the field, no, nah, I wouldn't have any problem doing it. All right, let's talk about the intensity going into this Raiders and, and Patriots game. I think at the top it's a little bit weird with uh, you know Ziggler going against his old boss, but more importantly, Josh McDaniels going against his old boss. As a player, if you ever get in situations like this of you know mentor versus student does it affect you at all you just go out and you're like hey we got to kick ass and do our job oh i think that you know it, it all depends everybody's a little bit different but i think that you know anytime you're going against a mentor of yours obviously you want to make sure that you have a good showing just because you want to show them that you know what you're doing even though there's somebody who's giving you their tutelage you want to now show that the pupil is just as good as the master so you definitely want to make sure that uh, you have a great showing would there be any added dynamic from their practices over the summer? Like, I feel like there might be for these players maybe a little bit more of a spark. They're like, hey, we did battle with these guys in the summer. Some of them were kind of annoying. I would like to hand them a loss now. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, uh, anytime you're going to get somebody that you played against in preseason or had those joint practices against, you kind of know them a little bit. But now that you're looking at late December, or should I say mid-December, uh, the season is taking on its own toll. It's taking on a form of its own. So teams go through a metamorphosis. Teams go through a complete transition throughout the entirety of an NFL season. So you could be looking right now, both teams are definitely not like they were back in August when they played each other in the preseason. So you get a little bit of a blueprint, but not a lot because everything is ever changing for teams, especially when you get to the last quarter of the season. Is Mac Jones good? <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I think that the jury is still out on him yeah. because we all know that he's accurate. We all know that he can play. He clearly was a first-round draft pick, so we know that uh, he's not a scrub. But when you look at certain games where he just tends to struggle or certain games where it just seems like he cannot get anything going, that's where you kind of give you, gives you cause to pause on anointing him as the next franchise quarterback the next great quarterback out of that uh 2021 draft class so i think that uh the jury is still out but i think it's definitely trending upwards because even though we see mac jones with his struggles you know that he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have the greatest nucleus of playmakers around him so you got to go ahead and still give him a pass even when he has uh his struggles. and i just wonder how to grade mac jones when bill belichick refused to go get an experienced play caller offensive coordinator quarterback guru i mean I, I don't know how to grade him with matt patricia as the guy running out the place yeah and that's what makes it equally hard i'm sorry i'm sorry doubly hard when he has everything counted against him without having an actual offensive coordinator without having a nucleus of upper echelon players around him for him to be able to get the ball too so that's why like i say 
given the fact that last year the New England Patriots made it to the playoffs. Now, they got blasted in the first round by the Buffalo Bills. And given how this year it looks like they got a strong chance to make the playoffs again, that's why I don't think you could just simply say, oh, Mac Jones isn't good because he's obviously taken over after Tom Brady and still being able to get this team to the playoffs potentially for a second straight year. That's where uh, I think that you got to go ahead and still give them a plus. Believe in uh, Raiders podcast. Believe in Raiders podcast. We're going to hear Stanford for a good 45 minutes with Dennis Ackerman doing a, a weekly Raiders yes. podcast. Uh, one of our regulars, Adam Hill, is also a beat writer uh, covering the Raiders. So he was down at SoFi last week. It's Thursday. It seems like it's a long time ago. You get some extra days to recover. He said he went into that locker room. He's covered a lot of sports, and he was like, I've never seen anything like it in terms of the mood. Just complete devastation. These are professional athletes. Does it go away, or can there be a hangover, not only from losing a game like that against a quarterback who was you know, in the organization for two days, but it was also so pivotal with so much on the line in the season? Do you think they immediately recover? Oh, man, that's going to be a tough game to recover from, but that's the beauty about the NFL. You've got to make sure that you bounce back. After you lose a game, whether it's going to be Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night, once you go and watch the game film from the previous game, you go, you make the corrections, you look at the loss, you go ahead, you digest it. Once that second night after that game comes into fruition, you got to then put it to bed and get ready for the following game. So it's going to be very interesting to see exactly how the Raiders come out and they respond to last week's debacle. Let's look around the league for a second. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I look at most organizations and how important the quarterback is. And then I look at the Niners, and they just keep going through quarterbacks, and they keep winning. And I understand the coaching staff is good. The team is good. These guys can really compete for a Super Bowl with the last pick in the draft at quarterback? <laughs> I, think I mean, really? When you, got, when you got somebody like uh, Kyle Shanahan, somebody who's uh, an astute play caller, somebody who's an offensive genius, I think that – the way that he has everything set up, especially when you go back to looking at Mike Shanahan back in the 90s, how it just seems like every time the Denver Broncos got a new running back, he would have a thousand rushing yards at the very least. So I think that in this, in today's game of brand of football, if you have an offensive coordinator, you have got you got a play caller, you have somebody who really understands the intricacies of the offensive side of the ball. I believe that you can have a high-scoring octane offense that does not necessarily have a Tom Brady, an Aaron Rodgers, a Josh Allen, a Pat Mahomes, and still being able to score and still being able to produce at the clip that you're seeing the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, all those other teams uh, produce it. Yes, I do believe so. What's the mood with the fans? To go to the opposite end of the spectrum for the Niners, what's the mood of the fans in Houston with – the Texans, number one pick is locked up. I wonder how happy they are because, you know, it's a tank, right? I mean, you got what you got to your goal. And then I wonder which quarterback you would take. Who would be your number one pick? Oh, man, the number one pick for me, I got to be honest with you guys. You know, when I look at C.J. Stroud, obviously, for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and then I look at Bryce Young for Alabama, it's very difficult for me to evaluate quarterbacks just because, especially if you have a lot of talent around you at Ohio State or Alabama, it's very hard for me to evaluate you because 
you're simply walking out there on the football field with a running back that is better than the opposing linebacker, who a guard who's automatically better than the opposing three technique that he's going against, a receiver who's better than the corner he's going against. It's hard for me to evaluate. So when you ask that question of who I would take with the number one overall pick, to be honest with you, I haven't seen anybody right now in college football that I feel warrants somebody that I'm going to take with the number one overall pick who I'm expecting to now be the face of my franchise and go ahead and turn around our misfortunes and somebody that can go ahead and take me where I need to go. I'm, I'm very diff, I'm very hard with how I evaluate quarterbacks, especially coming out of college, especially for the number one overall pick. So to answer your question, I haven't seen anybody that I feel comfortably is going to turn my franchise around. No, I haven't. Would you be okay taking a guy like Bryce Young, who's you know six foot and 195 pounds? Uh, I, listen, I'm from Austin, Texas, so Drew Brees. Shout out to him. Yeah, good point. Uh, with him being <laughs> one of the best ever and being undersized, being miniature, and I'm from the great state of Texas, where you see a Kyler Murray, somebody who's already been to the Pro Bowl twice in his short career showing everybody that smaller quarterbacks are able to be successful in the NFL. Uh, so because of what you now see, I would not be as readily I would not be as readily turned off at that prospect as I once would have. So if a guy can play, he can make all the throws. I don't really care that uh, he's miniature or he has more of that withery or should I say wiry type of uh, stature. Stanford, you're awesome, man. We appreciate the breakdown. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week before Christmas. You guys be good, man. Talk to you next week. Be safe. There he is. Stanford route. Believe in Raiders podcast. You can find it on all the platforms. He does it with Dennis Ackerman. A good 45 minutes breakdown of the Raiders. Coming up, I want to continue on this uh, Jalen Hurts attack by people around the league, players and media. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour right here on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400. Now this has been the longest game of my life. I have the prime time wagon of the Seahawks plus nine and under 49 smacked in a teaser. One more run, gents, and everyone goes home happy. Come on, baby. Just get the first and end it. End it. End it. No. No. What up? No. Get him. Get him. Oh, my God. That guy's a psycho. Oh, my gosh. He didn't even try to Nick Chubb it. There is running down my leg. They better be kneeling this ball. Put that knee on the ground. Let's go. Oh, new media. 50,000 likes on TikTok. Brilliant stuff. That McHugh guy who just screams about games. It's a gambler, man. It's entertaining. Don't shake your head. Don't be jealous. We know you're going to be doing this in a week, just screaming about games. Sure. Yeah, that's going to be my thing. Steph Curry, what the? Um, so there was a lot. There was a couple of things in that game where, Do like, you understand what he was describing at the end of the game? Yeah, it was the final big run in the right, right in the 49ers. So the, Niners, the Niners bust off a run. He's going in for a touchdown and gets tackled at the one-and-a-half-yard line. And that dude was talking about, you know, having a, uh, a bet, what, plus nine or whatever the total was. So teaser, and it was all going down the tubes. Right. So he had a teaser, which was we could talk about the intricacies of teasing up three, which is useless. Um, but <laughs> what I was actually going to say was in that moment, yeah. that was one where both players messed up. The Seahawks player should have grabbed him and thrown him into the end zone. So he could score, and they could attempt to get the ball back, score, and get an onside kick. Boy, that would be dynamite, next-level th- next level thinking to see. Right. Like, actually grab a guy and push him in the end zone. Yeah, it's, that, it's that like— what are they, The officials are like, I, that, 
penalty. That something's wrong here. Right. Like think about that. That Seahawk player sprinted all the way downfield to end his team's chances at winning. Like there's no point. Let him score because you end the game. And like I was telling Isabel because we were watching that because I was watching it too, and I had the under, so I wasn't really threatening to sweating it out too much. But I was like, eh, I'd rather have him slide this down because I don't want some shenanigans at the end of this game. And I was like, both sidelines should be shouting two different things. The Seahawks sideline should have been, let him score. And the 49ers sideline should have been, slide, please, for the love of God, just slide. And he should have lost that teaser. One of my colleagues teased at seven points to ten and a half. And you work with betting experts. All right. I was like, what are, we, what are you doing? Quotes. Experts. I hate the term. I'm not an expert. You have thoughts. You have educated. What do you think are educated thoughts? There, that's a good way to put it. What uh, I think are educated thoughts. Give me an educated opinion on uh, Jalen Hurts. Not getting bashed, but I thought Michael Parson asked a fair question. Hey, is it the team or is it Jalen Hurts? Uh, Chris Sims got on him as well. And what is the definition of the MVP? Because if Jalen Hurts is more about the team, then please, tomorrow, announce that Troy Aikman is not in the Hall of Fame. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. How many quarterbacks are in the Hall of Fame because they were caretakers, delivered a couple of big plays, but it was their team around. Like, Terry Bradshaw should not be in the Hall of Fame then. Joe Namath certainly shouldn't. And Aikman was one of those guys as well. Do we want to get on those guys? Uh, oh, he should, but we're not going to. And here's the thing. So with Jalen Hurts, because was also I think it was a Chris Sims, right, who said who threw something out there that if you put Gardner Minshew in, yeah, they'd be pretty damn good. He's right. He's right. Gardner Minshew would also run for 70 yards a game. Right? Like that's the Gard- other thing. Gardner Minshew would provide the threat for the defense where you'd have to account for him, right. which opens things up for their run game to be at record levels right now. Exactly. It is, and I think there's there's certain people. That was sarcasm, by the way. I think I, I hope people caught up on that. Um, I don't know if he's the most valuable player, but this is one of those instances where both things can be true, right? Where Jalen Hurts is being maximized because of the offense that he is in, while at the same time providing his own value that that some quarterbacks and players would not be able to add that he does. Gardner Minshew in this offense, yeah, you know what? I'd probably be able to operate at a high level if Gardner Minshew was a quarterback. But they would also not have the same threat that Jalen Hurts is as an athlete, as a runner, thus opening this running game a little bit more. And maybe the running game takes a little bit of a dip. Like, I think it's really foolish to do this. But I think guys like Sims, like I've kind of – like with Sims – You got I, it. I, right. He seems to be – maybe even stubborn is not the right word, but he seems to be stubborn in his thought process. If he thinks something, he's never going to come off of it. Get out to the Valley Auto Mall, meet and greet with Q and Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. It's Ford Country, Valley Auto Mall, a chance to drop off food for the serving our kids – Foundation drop-off boxes of individually wrapped food items. 920 on the road, Q and Josh Jacobs. 6 o'clock start, 6 o'clock start, Valley Auto Mall, Ford Country. Now, back to Cofield and Company. How fun is it to have this guy as a teammate? It's hilarious. He just, like, doesn't shut up. Oh, like, oh, 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 we love George. I love George. I like something plus from SNL. I like him a lot. Brock Purdy being a little naughty. He's an arrogant dude. A little bit. And after the game, he's on the live set. You know, he's trying to kind of play this whole humble thing and be appreciative that he's he's at where he's at with an awesome organization, which he should be. Like, he should appreciate where he is. It's a great starting spot. And 
you hear the anchor there make a comment about George Kittle, and he, he kind of takes a dig at Kittle that Kittle doesn't shut up, and Kittle's like, whoa, whoa. He, Kittle was actually very nice. He right. could have been like, dude, I just made your game. Don't bust my chops. You still have to earn your keep here. I mean, well, that's what happens when you call him BCB the entire time, <laughs> right? And then it starts to go to your head. By the way, did you see the video that has emerged that has leaked of Brock Purdy? No. Ooh. Apparently he's a wrestler. There's a video. I don't know if it's a real fight, but it's him at Iowa State uh, practice. Oh, really? Him and a dude like in the like, in one of the end zones, just going at it. He's pretty solid in terms of his wrestling game. Let's get into Bobby Petrino a little more. I don't have a good segue there. Um, we got back to back wrestling with some. We got back to back. I hope not. Uh, we got back to back conversations coming up here. Uh, first with a guy who covered Petrino at his last stop at Missouri State. As we're still trying to kind of uncoil this whole thing as he's landed at UNLV as the offensive coordinator. Wyatt Wheeler does uh, radio in Springfield, Missouri, uh, writes as well, covering Missouri State. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How about you guys? We're good. We're good. Um, we're still trying to wrap our head around Bobby Petrino. I, you know, the funny thing is here in Vegas, we're so thirsty for UNLV to turn the corner and become a winning program. I feel like 98% of UNLV, UNLV fans are like, we're all good. We don't care what happened in the past. We just know the guy's a good offensive coach. What was what was your impression? What were your thoughts when he first got there to be the head coach at Missouri State? It's pretty much the same. Um, so I mean, they the Missouri State football program had gone thirty years without a postseason appearance before he got there. They were coming off a one in ten season. Uh, interest was going down. Nobody was going to games. I mean, um, there were fans calling for the uh, for the program to just go away. Um, so, I mean, anything to get that program off the ground was going to be accepted by the fan base, um, except for the worst of the worst. And Bobby um, had some connections with the president, being an Arkansas grad, uh, had some connections with the athletics director, having been a former uh, former athletic director, just like an associate athletic director at Louisville. Uh, so, the, so, I mean, they made that work for – three years and Bobby immediately took them to two postseason appearances for the first time since 1990, won a share of the best conference in the FCS. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was really surprising. I, I'm a, I'm a 27 year old. The only memories I have of Bobby are Lamar Jackson, Ryan Mallett in the next break. Um, so it was, uh, it, it was surprising, but the more we got to know him, the more he was in Springfield, we enjoyed him, And it was, uh, it was a good match while it lasted. When he first got there, did some of the media people ask some of those tough questions about his past and you know loyalty and, and trustworthiness? The infidelity stuff he can put aside, but did anyone ask? And I wonder what his reaction was. Did he kind of did he bow up? What happened? Yeah, yeah, I had to ask those. I feel like you got to ask those questions when uh, when that's what he's known for nationally. I mean, this, hmm. comes, this pops up all the time nationally to where. Uh, that was that had to be after the introductory press conference, and uh, months before he actually made a stop back at Little Rock uh, to talk to a lot of Arkansas fans to apologize for everything that went down, um, and he kind of just echoed the same thing that he said there. Um, this past season, Missouri State week three of this year actually played at Arkansas, uh, so that was that was Petrino's first time back in Fayetteville. Uh, since the whole thing went down, and he had to undergo uh, another handful of those questions. So, um, 
mean, yeah, it, it was brought up, especially this past year with the uh, trip down to Fayetteville, but um, it seems like a lot of people have moved on. And uh, even I went down and did a story with talking to Fayetteville fans about how they were going to react. And uh, fans are mostly forgiving, and especially because Arkansas went through a whole tough feel after he left. But um, I, I think that a lot of that's in the past. And uh and he was enjoyable to work with when I was with him here for three years. Is it fair of me to ask the question, like, why he would take this job? Because it feels to me on the surface it's one of those where it's like, hey, let me take over as an offensive coordinator of this program, get on a good season, maybe two, and then I can find my way back to a relatively, you know, decent head coaching gig. Yeah, that's uh, we, we were taken a little aback by UNLV. Um, because the initial reports were Texas A&M, and it's just like, oh, if he wants to go to Texas A&M, work with that NIL money and all that, uh, that would be a great way to springboard him into bigger jobs if he were to have success. Um, UNLV, uh, you see the resort, you they play in a great stadium. Um, I, I, just, I don't know. I, I'm not tuned in to too much of the uh, conference realignment stuff, but thinking about a Las Vegas market and what they have kind of building around UNLV. There's a Pac-12 jump in the future for them. Uh, Barry Odom just co- just tried coaching against uh, Bobby Petrino, the defensive coordinator at Arkansas in that game. And Bobby had him down 10 in the fourth quarter with uh, uh, less, less talent than what Arkansas is able to bring in. So um, a lot of those little lines made sense. I think if Bobby's able to get some recruits and just be able to focus on quarterback play and offense. Um, I think he'd be a kid on Christmas morning just being able to uh, tinker with some of those good players and try to elevate that program to where you guys, where a lot of people in Vegas want to see it. We're talking about Bobby Petrino coming to Vegas as the offensive coordinator. Wyatt Wheeler just covered him for a few years in the uh, Springfield market. He does a show on the jock, also uh, writes for the Springfield News leader on on reasons that he jumped back to FBS for an OC gig. Um, one, how was he recruiting at Missouri State? And is there any chance he you know he kind of looked at it and it's like, man, you know, being a head coach takes a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know that he doesn't ever want to be a head coach again, but I just wonder if that was part of the rationale. Like, let me do what I'm best at and not have to run a whole freaking program. You know, he left it for his kids here. Um, his son-in-law was named the new head coach today Mm, Uh, so just a few hours later i think they i think bobby helped establish a good foundation for that program um you you look i mean what they did a lot through the first three years was transfer portal transfer portal transfer portal while also having some youth developing in the background uh before they plugged in while they were trying to find guys to plug and play in those first few years had success those first two years had expectations to win a championship, to compete for a championship this year, and they really fall flat five and six. The offensive line never came together, um, and the defense is really banged up. So, you know, I think he just knowing him. I think uh, I mean he's been a head he's been a head coach everywhere since like 2002. Um, this is a guy that has likes to have his control in everything. But I think while well, going to Vegas, he's going to have control of that offense, where he's not going to have to worry about the defense and that day-to-day stuff too much. But I can see him trying to figure out something to uh, get to another get, – get a little high, go to a little higher of a level and uh, uh, try to do it that way. But I think he's, 
I, I, FCS level, Missouri State, I think he laid a good foundation for his, uh, I mean, his, his son's going to be the offensive coordinator most likely. His son-in-law is the head coach. He has another son-in-law, defensive line coach, who could be promoted to defensive coordinator. Uh, there's just a lot there for him. Look at a lot of little pieces there. What do you think of his personality? Approachable guy for media and the fans? You know, the first day that he was announced as a the guy that was going to be hired at Missouri State, uh, I got so many phone calls that said I was going to hate him. He was going to be <laughs> terrible to work with. Um, that uh, he was just a nightmare. That was a lot of Louisville calls. Um, but in a small market where he was. I mean, the, the most he had to deal with was me and some TV stations that one partnered with the university, one rather cover high schools. Um, he was in a good place, and he won. Uh, and, he, and, and a year after two postseason appearances at Missouri State to be forgiven when he had a down season. Um, so he was, he was I, I enjoyed working with him a lot. Uh, wanted to get his program uh, uh, promoted and everything, get fans involved. So... I enjoyed working with him a lot. Yeah, I'm curious to talk to him in the future because uh, John and I both cover UNLV as part of the broadcast team, and I like talking to head coaches. I like learning about football. I just wonder what he's going to be like in terms of uh, you know talking football philosophy and then also program oh. building philosophy. He wants to teach. I mean, if you get him into that mode, that's where that's where he loves. I mean, just to break down the X's and O's, ins and outs, and everything. Uh, he rather talk about that stuff than. Uh, any of the other stuff. So, I mean, if you get into the nitty-gritty uh, football X's and O's stuff, you guys are going to love them. Wyatt, well, tell people where they can uh, listen to your station. Obviously, it's the web, but uh, what do you guys cover? I have a little familiarity with Springfield. It's a very interesting market. A lot, there's a lot more going on there than people think. Yeah, I mean, it's a very proud high school basketball town. Uh, football's getting better. Uh, great women's, uh, Missouri State women's basketball program, but Springfield News Leader is where I write. That's my day job that pays the bills. Um, I, I'm on the radio to Jock, uh, 96.9 FM in Springfield Market. Uh, you can get on the app and look up. You can get on the website and look up that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's a nice little town, a lot of great kids and a lot of great people, and I uh, love it here. We appreciate all the info. Have a good weekend. Thanks for stepping up. Yeah. yeah, you guys have a good day. There he is. Wyatt Wheeler, local radio guy at 96.9 The Jock. Uh, in Springfield, Illinois, yeah, very rich uh, high school basketball tradition. And uh, like you said, Missouri State women's team, also very good. We're going to talk to one of his uh, former quarterbacks in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, for the folks in Reno, if you want to listen to the entire show, I mean, right now it's UNLV stuff, so maybe I'm not the most desirable for you, but this is a national story. You can listen to the entire show at LV Sports Network or the archives of the show at LVSportsNetwork.com. I haven't talked to you in a couple of days since his hire went down, um, you know, most of us know we're not as young as Wyatt, who said, hey, he only, you know, he only goes back maybe like 10 years on Petrino. Most of us know about his history. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. There's, there's a risk to making a hire like this. It's not like after the Arkansas thing, he went out of football. He didn't disappear. for. He just right. he kept working, right? He kept working, different stops. What do you think? I think generally it's, it's kind of like oddly positive. Like I think – one of the things that we were told when we were asking about Barry Odom, right, was I think he's going to probably build a good staff. Like, he knows that generally, especially with the offensive side, that that's not something he's really too sharp. That's sharp. That's not the right term. Something he doesn't want to have a ton of control in or say in. So he'll hire some guys who are going to run a pretty good offense. We saw it in Missouri. 
I think that football aspect of it, he's showing that he wants to build a pretty good staff offensively that he's going to be able to trust so he can focus on it defensively. I think if you have questions about how this is going to work from, like, you know, just a fit with the city and the market and whatnot, I think those are fair questions to be asked. And we'll see what it's like now. Slightly, I guess, slightly bigger than just one dude and two other TV stations. We, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, we are a city and state of second chances, and we're a little non-traditional. Mm-hmm. So, this is one of those things, and I mentioned this a bunch, that I feel like people in Vegas wanted with sports to take chances on people and give them second and third and fifth chances, and UNLV just hasn't been willing to do it. So they're they're doing it here, and they're putting their butts on the line and. We'll see how it works out. You know, we'll see if a 61-year-old Bobby Petrino has you know more self-control and discipline and loyalty than he did, you know, say 10 years ago, 15 or 20 years ago. Again, you can listen to the archives of Cofield and Company on LBSportsNetwork.com. Thanks for uh, Reno for checking in on ESPN Reno. The hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You can call from anywhere in the state. They have an office in Reno and, of course, here in Vegas. 766-1400.